Welcome back to the User Flows, everyone. My name is Thomas Morell, and I'll be your host. This is a show where we talk about UX design and careers, and I get to interview designers who inspire me about how they got started in the field so we can break down you know, the patterns and best practices that they've used to be successful so we can all learn and grow together. So today I'm speaking with Carlos Lastres, a creative director, designer, digital nomad, living and working in Shenzhen, China, which is super cool. I can't wait to talk about that. And so Carlos's mission is to change the world through creative thinking, innovative marketing, and exceptional design. I am a sucker for a lofty goal, so I also want to dig into that. That's awesome. Uh, welcome to the show, Carlos. Uh, really happy we finally get to connect. Thank you very much, Thomas. That's right. Uh, changing the world step by step with yeah. design from China. Very cool. And so could you tell us a little bit about yourself? You know, something maybe we won't learn on your LinkedIn profile. Sure. So first thing, I'm half Costa Rican, half Cuban, totally all over the place from China to Latin America, right? I ended up in China six years ago because of a job opportunity, and I fell in love with, with the Chinese world. Everything is amazing. And the most important thing is, yeah, why I stay in China? I get out of my comfort zone every single day, and that makes me a very good professional because it's like, Every day is totally fresh. Yes, new things, um, and and it's amazing. It's amazing. You you cannot get comfort here, and I love. It. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. No, that's definitely be out of your comfort zone. I mean, I went and lived and worked abroad, but it was in England, so it's kind of very much similar to you know the U.S. <laughs> yeah. But going from Costa Rica to China, that's got to be quite a culture shock. It was. It was. Especially, the language is totally different, right? You you can survive with English in most of the places, but they suddenly you need to talk Chinese. So it was pretty cool. It was a good yeah. time. Oh, very neat. And so are you actually like taking courses in Chinese? Are you learning or? So I, I think the second year here, I start to take more seriously to learn Chinese. And um, yeah, I have a decent level right now, but being outside and talking with people and just hearing conversations is the best way to learn always. Yeah, my wife is from the Dominican Republic and I always struggled to learn Spanish, but <laughs> when we actually go down there and hang out with her family, I feel like I pick up on it so much faster than trying to, you know, lose yeah, one yeah. of the apps or, you know, try to learn in a class. So, I mean, you seem to be living like a super interesting life. I think a lot of people would like to know, you know, <laughs> how they go from, you know, living and working in one place like the U.S. to living and working someplace totally different like uh, China. Could you kind of go through exactly how? that um, your journey kind of worked out? Yeah, so we kind of started like, I don't know, 10, 11 years ago. I worked for HP Labs. It was a multicultural team, but back then the development, I was, I was working as a software engineer. Everything was like, we got to plan too much, right? We got to plan this and we got to plan that. Even though we, we had a lot of freedom to make uh, the software the way we wanted, it was like a lot of planning. And we got to make sure it's going to be a success and we got to make sure we consider this and so on. And I have seen the startups, US is still doing that. Like, okay, yeah, we have a vision, but we got a plan and plan time. When you came to China, the first rule is we have two weeks to release something, even if it is not working, but we need to release. And then you, you are like, okay, well, okay. And let's see what we can do. Two weeks end up and then you release a shitty version of the app, but they go, and immediately start to get user experience, user feedback, and user data. It's like, okay, nobody's clicking here. Remove the button. And let's add another button. 
And then it was like, wow, okay, these guys is just really throwing whatever they have and see where the people are clicking, what people are liking, and that's how they, they develop. So they develop so, so fast because in at least two months, you already have four iterations and you already kind of know the users what they like. So it's a lot of time saving and money saving, right? Because I've been in certain projects where it takes six months, you put it out, it looks amazing, and it's like, okay, nobody's using it. Well, here it's like, just throw that thing and see what happened, and then let's, let's, let's keep improving. I like that. That's a, that's a good way to be. I've been on those projects too, where you, you, know, you spend forever trying to launch something, and then nobody uses it. And you know, yeah. Yeah, instead of just being very quick to figure out why and making changes on the fly, spend another six months plus in you know, development trying yeah, to exactly. come up with the solve. So, so what was your origin story in design? How did you get started? as a UX UI designer? So my, my first major is as a software engineer, uh, engineering, and, and I love it. I mean, uh, I was good at it, I enjoy it. But then since I'm a teenager, I have been very creative and, and passionate about drawing and, and put things together in a way that looks nice. So I developed uh, my studies doing software, trying always to have a look UI, a very nice UI and putting the things with, with a bit of, of sense. And people appreciate that. Then, as I said, I, my, my first big company was HP, Philip Packer, and then everybody was like, okay, let's give it to Carlos because he makes very good UI. Back then, nobody was like caring too much. You just put, put all the functions at one, all the features at once, and that's it. And yeah, like two, two years after being into software, I see that this movement of user experience start to, to get popular. And I was like, okay, I can relate with these people. I didn't know there was a term for it. And actually, there are more rules and things. So I totally fell in love because it was like, okay, I have been doing this and it actually makes sense and other you know, people support it. So it's good. And then I decided to move more into design and study users, read a lot about psychology and behavior. And then I, I just got obsessed. I got obsessed in, in making, making things, uh, making solutions for people's problems. So I dropped a little bit from software and then just moved completely to design. And do you think that background in um, development kind of helped you in your design career? Or? Totally, totally. Because then I, I came to these teams in which I always see this uh, friction between designers and developers. Because then the designer can be too artistic and then uh, the developer too analytic. So it's like, no, um, when I, for example, for the pers from the perspective of a developer, the website is just a set of columns and rows. It's very like a build, building a house. While the designer is like, okay, I want to put these elements here, the gradients, these things moving. So kind of there's like a clash between ideas. But being able to speak the language of developers and speak the language of designers, I can come up with a kind of a bridge and say, okay, guys, let's make a design, but let's only use these elements because that's what they can develop. And to the developers, I can say, yeah, this looks nice, but what about if we add this code? And when they, they can see that I actually put something useful and meaningful to, to their development process, they get more likely to do it. It helped me a lot to develop my career uh, because then people like to work with me in both sides, management, design, and development. And so today you're 100% freelance or you have your own agency? Well, what are you doing now? Yeah, I, I don't like that term freelance after, because freelance, the, 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 definition of freelance is you're going to work in a short term for somebody or a company 
-hmm. will say always a term consultant. I like to get okay. involved and grow with the company. So I right now I work for a manufacturing company and I have my consultant company as well. Well, that's fantastic. No, and I, I like that, uh, that term consultant too. I think that's a lot better. Uh, freelance can be mistaken yeah. for you know, just somebody who's kind of uh, messing around in the industry and not really there yeah, to solve exactly. problems and make things happen. So I love that. Now, I like how you term, you kind of uh, define your design services on your website. Could you go into a couple of those, like the way you say road mapping? It wasn't exactly how I would have used the word road mapping, but I like the way that you use it. So right now I have like, from, from all the years that I've been working on it, I, I decided to go in three paths. The first one, as you said, road mapping. And I pick it up the name because every time I sit down with, uh, with somebody that has an idea or starting a product, I feel like I, I'm guiding it and I'm creating the road in which we can get to succeed. So I said, okay, no, I'm, I'm not making your product or making your design. I'm actually taking you and together we build the road. So I decided to call Roadmap. And it's for all these startups or people with good ideas, and, but they maybe don't know who is the real user or how they should approach if it's like making an app or just start with a website or maybe just Instagram and see how the people react. So uh, it's just a process to push in the right way. Uh, something I always like to tell people is I have failed more times than most of the people have ever tried. So I know kind of which way we can go because I have failed a lot of times and that's good. And I encourage people to fail. You learn a lot. So the first one, yes, roadmap. And then I got the product camp in which there's already product existing or, or you have something that, that is working, but kind of, kind of like a, maybe a refresh or a better look and feel, and then just make it a professional. Uh, right now, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of uh, startups or established companies that they have services or software that look third. And yeah, the people that develop it, of course, they get experts on it, but then the more expert you become in what you're developed, the less user you are. So you forget totally that people don't know what you what, what it's about or where they should click or and I love because then I go to companies, it's like, okay, how you sign up? And it's like, yeah, you should click here, but of course you need to click here. Click. I was like, no, I wouldn't guess ever that I need to click there. There's, there is no indication that I should do that. Uh, but in their mind, it's so clear, of course, because they haven't done it thousands of times. So product camp, I see it like that, like, okay, we got in this, uh, uh, I imagine like a fitness camp in which you get in shape. So we put those products and we get it in shape. Nice. Yeah, and finally, of course, if people don't know you or they don't know you are the best, you are not going to sell. So I like to put it, the, the way I name it is into the spotlight. So it's like, okay, you're already in shape. We put the road. Now let's make everybody see you. And then, yeah, my, my latest studies, my master's degree is in marketing and business. So I kind of combine everything and then I just help the people, okay, let's show it in the right way to the right audience. Let's make the ads uh, in a way that people really find it. Because for example, uh, usually people don't go and say, okay, I need web development. They will just go and put keywords like, okay, how can I improve my website? Or do I need the UX UI designer? This type of thing. So actually the whole word keyword is amazing. It's fascinating because you learn how much about what people are looking. Uh, as I said, I work for a manufacturing company that develops light therapy products. And, and it's hell of a fun because then we need to make devices. 
And it's like, okay, we make light therapy products, but nobody's going to put, I need a light therapy product. They go like, okay, I have wrinkles. I'm getting old. How I remove acne. I have a spider vein. So you got to make all this, uh, this copywriting and this post and articles, podcast, PR and so on. It's like, okay, acne. And then that's how you ended up finding our devices. So it's super fun. So yeah, okay. I say those three are like the main, the main market or the, yeah, the, like the biggest need that I have seen so far. Oh, that's fantastic. So that, now that explains why I see sometimes you talking about light therapy on your social media. So <laughs> yeah, now I get it. That's really cool. That's, um, that's an excellent idea. And uh, yeah, I think podcasting is a great way for businesses to get their word out there. Love that. And I, I like that you're kind of productizing your services like that. Cause I think I had my own agency for a number of years. And I think one of the reasons we failed was because we were never able to create like real processes around the different services and turn them into more like products. And it was always, you know, we get a new client, be like, what can we do for you? Like, we'll do anything, which was you know, the wrong way to go about things. We needed that kind of process that we followed every time. So it could be repeatable and scalable. And, you know, overall, I really like the way you brand yourself. And as someone who sees kind of countless you know, resumes, designers, websites, portfolios, I connected with your website, I think, because it was just very kind of you. It had its own personality. Can you talk through, you know, creating your website and how other designers can kind of you know, brand themselves so they can connect with the audience that they're looking to connect with. Of course. So I'm, I'm glad you said first that you failed. Amazing. Because you learn. And second, yeah, uh, all the designers need to understand that you cannot just go and say, okay, I can, I can do anything for you or let me know what you need and I will do it. Because it's endless. There's always something else to change. And then you go and you go and you already charge something and then you get like, okay, I'm going to spend 20 hours on this and I will only make a quote for five hours and you keep going. So it's kind of kind of gets messy in the, in the client's mind because it's like, okay, this guy is just working for me there and he doesn't have anything else to do or she doesn't have anything else to do. So it's important to put that. Now, regarding the website, when you build something, people will appreciate that when they actually look at you, it feels like you. My website, I put these, these bright colors against some dark contrast on the background because it's part of myself. And in, in terms of those colors, bright colors, and a lot of things, and like my ideas, it's just like I'm speaking. Uh, for example, I love tattoos. I'm all cover of tattoos, and all of them are very bright. And, and, and yeah, you can see like I have orange, and, and then I have blue, and a lot of nice. shapes. So I wanted to show that people that when they see my website, it's like, yeah, that's Carlos. I can feel it and I can see happy and he's doing his drawings in the website. And it's so when you build your website first, focus on your products. What do you want to set, to offer? And that is very structured. Also will help you to organize how much to charge for timelines and so on. And second, just be yourself. Like people need to feel they're talking with you. As I said, everybody else is taken. So just be yourself. Um, I In China, it's, it's a country, a better a bit restrictive with tattoos. But on purpose, I, when I have important meetings, I show them. I let them know that people, I'm proud of them. They are part of me and they feel, it, when they feel me and see me so confident about it, they respect. So yeah, never never be afraid of show who you are. People will appreciate it and will like it. Very nice. And so in crafting that website, does it change at all? Like attracting, I guess, as a you know international traveler, 
kind of attracting the companies that you want to work with. Is there anything special you need to do to kind of put people at ease that you might be, you know, working in China, but working for a company in the U S or somewhere else? So they all only always get worried about the times because they're like, man, but we're going to be sleeping and maybe we're awake. Uh, but then I found like a kind of solution for that. Well, first China never sleeps. So I, I sleep a bit late and second, People are used to go to eight to five in the office and then you have your meetings and so on, but everybody, okay, goes back home. Well, I explained at least people in the US is like, imagine, okay, you have your whole day to plan, get ideas, brief um, descriptions or things you wanted me to do. And then while you're resting, I will create everything. When you get up again to work, I will be still there. I'll let you know what I did. You can check and you still have again the whole day to review it carefully. So we actually have like a 24 hour cycle. When they get used to it, they love it. And then they keep people keep rolling like, okay, I like this because I can take my time. I, I sleep a kind of bit late. So they still can ask me for some small changes at the beginning of the day. So they can do their stuff, relax, take a look and it's like, okay, I finished my date and I know Carlos will have it ready for the next day. That's for like more US customers. For Europe, it's just, like eight hours difference most of the time. So I just kind of start late the day if, if I need to do it and all good. And in China, what I have been seeing is that people don't like too much that you work remotely. So I visit the company from time to time. Just like, okay, I'm here guys, I'm still working. And yeah, they get used to it and they see, okay, he's delivering what he promised and, and that's it. That's, that's, that's the secret basically. If you want to work remotely or, or do anything, just do what you said. If you said, I'm going to have the website and it's going to have three pages, just do it. If you feel you cannot do it, then hey, okay, guys, I can only have two pages. When they go and see two pages, they're going to be, all right, I like it. Looks good. And he said, it's going to be two pages. So fine. Under promise, over deliver kind of thing. If you know, you say, I'm yeah. only going to have these two pages done. And then you show up with that, maybe something extra you're, you know, you viewed as a guy. That's, that's perfect. What are some of the biggest challenges you've encountered? Of being an expat in China? Language is one of them. Uh, sometimes maybe I have crazy ideas or they ask me to explain why I did it in a certain way. And it gets a bit challenging, right? Try to explain some abstractions of my mind or my creative process into Chinese. And the second one, as I said, they don't see too well the, the remote thing. So they think I'm just going to be there lazy. But once they start to see the deliverables and the fact that I'm that I'm actually doing what I said, they get like, okay, this is nice. And, and they understand that I can get more done in three hours than being eight hours in the office. So they love it. And actually they push me to do more. So <laughs> they get happy. But I will say those, those are like the biggest ones. Actually, China development and design is very nice and, and very fast, as I said. So it's just adapting to those things. Right on. And so what's the, what's the exchange rate like? Is it fairly easy to live over there? Or is it like living in one of the big cities in the US or somewhere else? It, it will depend, of course. Uh, right now, I live in a big city in Shenzhen and mm -hmm. quite affordable. Buying a house is very expensive, like three times buying a house in, I don't know, in the center of the US. But for sure, having an apartment is way affordable than having an apartment in New York. So it's, it's okay. I will say the yeah. prices are quite good. And because China is like the manufacturing country of the world, 
a lot of things are quite cheap. Okay. Now, you also had a pretty interesting TED talk out there that I saw. I think it was entitled, Why You Shouldn't Follow Your Dreams or Your Passions. Why You Shouldn't Follow Your Passions. Could you dive into that and tell us a little bit about that? So they asked me for a university in, in Hangzhou, another big city, to give this talk to the, the students that were in the last year of the university. So I precisely wanted to make an, an impact on them. And I told them, okay, don't follow your passion. And I remember all the faces confused, like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? Why should I, I shouldn't follow my passion? Then I, I just started to explain that the way society, teachers, fathers, parents, and so on, uh, thought us about passion. It's just like, okay, you're going to be happy doing it, and you will love it, and you will get money. But the passion is actually just a feeling, uh, and feelings change, feelings change too often. Uh, I'm passionate. Something I, I love is burgers. I'm passionate about burgers, but I cannot eat burgers every day. Number one, I will get fat. Number two, probably after five days, I will hate burgers, and then I don't want to see them again. Or I get, I don't know, sick or whatever. So the thing is, I cannot follow my passion. Uh, passions are things that change and they're precisely uh, their passions because you don't do them the whole time. And, and another thing that I love is to draw. But I, that, that, when I draw, I express my feelings and I draw whatever I want to draw. So if I'm there, I'm angry. Maybe I draw something powerful with a lot of energy. If I, one day I'm in love, something more soft and maybe uh, thinner lines and so on. But for example, when somebody comes and says, okay, can you make a draw of me? And then they tell me that five days in a row, I'm like crazy. I don't want to draw anymore, right? Because it's, it's, it's just a feeling. Yeah, it's, it is part of my passion, but it can't change anytime. So what I recommend to the students is just find something that you're good at. You don't need to love it. It doesn't need to be your passion. But when you're good at something, you can master it. And people will appreciate that and they will pay you for that. And once you do something that you're good at it, People appreciate it. You get a reward. You get fulfillment. And actually, life is about fulfillment. As I said, burgers make me happy. But I cannot eat burgers every five seconds because I will get tired and I will hate them. But, make, but feeling fulfilled because I make a design for a company and they were so happy and they were showing in their social media and saying, look, guys, it's our new branding and we're so proud. That makes me feel fulfillment. And that gives me a purpose that I can do every day. So I encourage everybody just to go and try as many things as they can to see what they're good at it. Maybe they like it or not, but the sensation of fulfilling for sure will make you feel good. Okay. I love that. Finding a purpose and fulfillment. That's uh, kind of everything. So love that. Yeah. Any stage advice for a young designer who wants to have the traveling, you know, designing lifestyle? Any advice for getting started, making it happen? Yeah. So. One thing I've seen in young designers is when you don't have a job or something that is giving you a stable, stable income, your job is to find a job. So you should dedicate at least eight hours per day. Make sure you have a clean portfolio. And if you don't have it, build one. There's always a lot of things to improve. You can say, okay, rebranding of this app, rebranding of this website, or the way I would like to see Facebook is part of your portfolio. And people can see that the way you're thinking, the way you're organizing your ideas, and so on. So if you don't have a stable income or a source, I mean, projects and so on, make sure you work eight hours in getting one and, and putting yourself there. Because every time I'm, I ask for a portfolio, it's like website have done, totally updated, 
And one of the first things I do every time I finish a design, I upload it, I document it, and I upload or update my LinkedIn. I make sure it's totally fresh. And the way people see it, it's like, okay, Carlos has done these things and I can check these websites and so on. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is just don't be afraid. Travel is actually amazing for design because you get to know a lot of uh, new people, new ideas, and new ways to see the world. So when you travel, you get all these ideas and you open your mind a lot. And you start to understand better design and how the people will behave. So just, as I said, don't be afraid. Go for it. Travel. Make sure you work on your portfolio. You work on your things. Present yourself the way you would like to, people to see you in real life. And that's it. After that, it's quite easy to get right. So what's your biggest inspiration? My biggest inspiration? The, the, the fact that I'm always out of my comfort zone. As I said, every day I found a new challenge. I like, I like to go out and try just to improve my Chinese. And then I found new words or new people or see the people happy talking with me. And taking rides in bicycle to explore the city. Trying new things. I will say that all of that is part of my inspiration. Uh, I know in Western, we love to use cars to go everywhere. But I encourage just when they took a bicycle and try to take a different way. Wow, you see so many things of your city that you never, never knew they were there. You find the best coffee, coffee shop. You find the best stores. So amazing people. And it's just because we try to do something different, right? And, and I found a lot of inspiration on that. And, and yeah, just things like why, for example, why I like to, to work with light therapy, which is totally, completely different expertise from, from what I have been doing in the past. It's because they encourage you to go back to your roots. Like, what was the last time you were out and see a sunset? What was the last time you go, you go outside and see a sunrise? Yeah, so those, those things that we completely forget, and it's, it's, it's written in our DNA. I mean, we need the sun to, to balance when we wake up and when we sleep. We, we spend the whole day inside the, the house. We kind of mess it up. But it's just, as I said, uh, traveling, opening your mind, and, and remember, okay, we... As a human beings, we, we need some things that we're forgetting. And, and that once you recover them, it's, your ideas go crazy. And it's just, it's just amazing. Nice. And so what's on the horizon for you? You sticking around in China for a good long while? or That's for sure. China is, is my home totally. I, I do miss Costa Rica. But, I mean, um, I, got used, I got used to live here. And, and I like it. Yeah. And, and I like all the challenges and it grows so fast that I want to be there. It's like, uh, I always tell people, it's like I was invited to a rocket ship and you just, you don't even say yes or no. You just go and grab the ticket and jump in. Yeah. So what is coming is just keep, keep here, keep learning. There is always something new to learn, improve, uh, improve myself as a person and a professional. And as I said in my TED talk, just find out something I'm good at to feel fulfillment. Nice. Love that. And so where can people go to connect with you? You can go to my website, lastrescarlos.com, or you can put Carlos Design in, in Instagram, Facebook. And yeah, just Carlos Lastres, LinkedIn, you will get it. Carlos, I can't thank you enough for coming on. It was really nice to talk to you and really glad we finally got to catch up. So my pleasure, Tom. My pleasure. I really have a good time. And yeah, always happy to share and, and, and hear more experience about designers and so on. Uh, oh, the last thought about that. When you are a good designer, always share your design and your idea. 
I have seen that designers get get afraid to share their ideas because they think, oh no, maybe maybe it's not right or no. No, actually, the more you share, the more you learn. So that's why I always like to share as much as I can because I know it will improve me and then I can get feedback from other people. And that's the show, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. I will be releasing a show about every other week or so. If you'd like to be a friend to the show, leaving a review or a comment on Apple would be uh, very much appreciated. Share a link to the show with your friends or anyone else you might know who is interested in UX design. Uh, feel free to recommend topics uh, you'd like to hear discussed. And if you have any questions about design, uh, design careers, or anything else for that matter, you can DM me on my Instagram at userflowspod. If you'd really like to help me out, you can visit thomasmorell.com survey to let me know what you'd like to learn on this show or hear more or less of. So thank you. I appreciate you listening and uh, let's go create something. <laughs>